This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Morgan Giest McDonald. Morgan is the founder and CEO of Paper Raven Books. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Roman. Super excited to be here. I'm glad you're on. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so it was uh, not a straight line, as most entrepreneurs would say. Um, I didn't think that I was ever going to start my own business. I was actually an academic, right? So I was one of those good students in college, wrote my papers and all of that. And um, I got into a PhD program. So I was on my way to getting a doctorate in sociology and I was going to be a professor. And then I got into the program and I was like, oh, <laughs> this is not a good fit for me. There were a lot of reasons, but um, I knew that it wasn't a good fit when I started using more and more of my own time to help my colleagues with their writing and I wasn't working on my own writing. So I was doing a lot of editing and writing coaching. And after a couple of years, I was like, oh, maybe I should just do that. <laughs> and so I actually left that program. I, I got my master's, but um, I left the program and just continued to freelance edit and write, uh, be a writing coach on the side uh, for, for quite a few years. And then I got to this point, there was a, a lot changed over the years as, as happens. We started having, my husband and I you know, were married. We started having kids. We were moving from Tennessee to New York to and, uh, for different jobs and uh, we had a family vacation and I had been growing my freelance editing and writing coaching. We had three kids at the time. We were going on a family vacation and right as we were packing up the car, a client of mine sent me an email and said, hey, I've got this really big project. It's super important. Can you, you know, do some, some editing for me? Can you edit my <laughs> dissertation, basically? Um, and I would need it back by next week. And anyone who's done any freelancing, like, you know, that feeling of, gosh, feast or famine. If I say no to this, like, am I going to lose him as a client? If I say yes to this, is this going to open up more referral opportunities? Um, and so I said, yes, I was like, yeah, I'll get it done. You know, send it to me now and I'll go ahead and, and get it, you know, on my computer and loaded up and, and ready. We went on that family beach vacation and, you know, I get to the house and I just, I find my little nook where I'm going to be uh, doing my work and get everybody unpacked and, you know, starting the family vacation. And then I spent the rest of the week split between trying to be a great mom and trying to get my work done in integrity and basically just not sleeping. <laughs> Coming back from that vacation, I was like, okay, this is... Even if I had like the most successful freelancing career at, that I could dream of, like this is just not what I want. And so I re, at that point, I restarted the business essentially, um, re envisioned what it was going to look like, re envisioned like the team that I was going to have and the types of projects that we were going to work on, and um, re, like, yeah, just <laughs> rebuilt the thing. <laughs> and we became Paper Raven Books. 
brought on a team of editors that I'd been working with and um, we went from helping people write books to now helping people publish and market books as well. So that, um, that re-envisioning happened in 2015 and it's been a uh, growth since then. That's awesome. And I guess with the current global state and everybody being kind of at home still for the most part in the uh, US or in uh, metropolitan areas, like obviously New York is the epicenter. I know some people have a lot more free time on their hands. Obviously, some people are binging on movies and shows, but others are, it's a good opportunity to, you know, get your thoughts down if you ever did, you know, want to write something. So in terms of kind of advice for somebody either has an idea or has already, you know, started writing things down on, on paper, I guess, what is the point where maybe you should reach out to a publisher, any kind of pros and cons? I know a lot of people self-publish. What are kind of those things and how is that uh, publishing changed with everything going on in terms of, you know, the global pandemic? Gosh, Roman, yeah, you hit on something that we've been talking about a lot behind the scenes in our own company with our authors. And um, since coronavirus hit, you know, traditional like brick and border, brick and mortar bookstores like Barnes and Noble in the US have had to shut down. And so now, yes, they're selling more books online, but really, if you're going to buy books online, where are you going to go? You're going to go to Amazon, right? And you're going to, you're going to buy the book on Amazon. Um, and so it's completely disrupted the traditional supply chain from um, traditional publisher usually gets the books printed in a traditional print run of, you know, 5,000 copies. And then those copies are distributed nationwide to bookstores and then people go into bookstores and buy them. Well, as soon as you pull out that last piece, <laughs> people are not going into bookstores to buy physical books. Then you have all the bookstores sending the physical books back to publishers because that's part of their agreement. If they don't sell, I'm sending them back to you, the publisher, and you're going to suck up the costs. And so the publishers are facing massive, um, just, I mean, they're, I don't know how they're fit financially going to survive. Um, it's, a, it's a huge financial problem for them having all these books shipped back and not knowing how to sell them. What's interesting is anyone who's been doing any digital marketing, and I love that, you know, Digital Savage Experience, you're already tapping into this so much in how you already talk to your audience about, about entrepreneurship and, and digital you know, building a business digitally because anyone who's done any of this work is already so much more set up for success in whatever you sell, <laughs> whether you're selling a book or e-commerce or a course or anything. Because um, now what we're seeing is people are, are successful authors currently are either selling through Amazon that's an online retailer platform. So their book already looks great on Amazon and um, they have a great cover design. They have a great description dialed in. They have reviews. So they're selling through Amazon is one way or they're selling directly to their readers because they know how to do stuff like Facebook ads or get on podcasts or you know send emails or do social media posts. They know how to my prediction is we're going to see a huge swing toward uh, digital marketing of books and the self-published, independently published authors have kind of an advantage because they can move quickly and they can be like, okay, well, I'm not selling in Barnes & Noble anymore. Let me, you know, get on some podcasts. Let me, um, you know, put on social media and sell books directly to readers. And so the reason that I want to frame this is for you guys, if you're just now thinking about like, oh, maybe I should write a book. 
I want to strongly encourage you to think about um, connecting with your readers now directly because as soon as your book is ready, you want to be able to sell to them directly. You don't want to have to rely on a publisher and a bookstore and um, all of that supply chain because we don't know what it's, if it's going to be there in, in 12 months. It might survive for a few months. Uh, Barnes & Noble certainly is redoing. They've been brought up by, bought up by private investors. They're redoing a lot of their store layouts. Um, they're going to try to pull through. But I don't know. For me, personally, like if I'm going to bet on my own success, I'm going to directly connect with my reader. The cool thing is that if you can even just, um, you know, interview some people who might be your potential readers or get in a Facebook group with people who might read a book like you want to write or, you know, any of those sort of direct interactions, you can start to ask people like, hey, you know, like, if I were to write a book on this topic, <laughs> what what would you be interested in seeing? And then you're you're building the marketing into the writing process itself. And what you can start to do is, yeah, exactly like you're describing, Roman, just like use some of these pockets of time. And books are not written <laughs> at, uh, and usually are not written all in one day or, you know, a week. So you can start using you know, 30 minutes here, an hour there and start piecing it together and, and be in conversation with people that you're going to sell your book to on the other end. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a good point in terms of kind of a, a, a thought shift of starting to build kind of buzz before a book is even completed. Because with that, even now, uh, I think if you have a story to, uh, to tell and it, it's a qualified audience, you have a better chance as a guest to even get on shows as well because totally. of the whole, uh, you know, the whole climate of, you know, everybody being at home. I know like a lot of more, you know, industry leading kind of guests that were less attainable before because they had a lot of in-person speaking engagements and keynotes. A lot of podcasts are, you know, gaining access to those type of guests. And I think, it makes sense in terms of um, you know media appearances and especially podcasts as a whole because you are writing a book and you know your target audience or who you're writing to, you can find those applicable communities and those podcasts that, that have those communities already built and basically piggyback on those communities and, and build loyal fans even before you release. That's super smart. Can I ask you a question, Roman? Sure. <laughs> have you ever thought about writing a book? I have, but uh, with uh, right now four foster kids being quarantined and two dogs, one has cancer, and then my business, and then working directly for another company remotely, and then my podcast, and then my kind of media, um, you know, interviews on other shows and stuff. The, the thought has been there as like, you know, the the last kind of, not last piece, but in terms of branding and what I have to share and some of my um, ideas, but I haven't kind of refined the topic yet. So let, what if we went into like a actually had a little bit extra time. We don't have to worry about that. That's not reality. <laughs> Although four foster kids and two dogs is a lot in one household. <laughs> yeah. what, what might you write a book about? Honestly, like the, the easiest format for me, like to start with, I think a children's book, honestly. And I think mm -hmm. um, in terms of like a community, because I was a first generation immigrant and I came here when I was five and I didn't know the language right to kindergarten, maybe mm -hmm. something that's like, I would say a coping mechanism or something that would help like tell a story about, you know, somebody coming here and not having any friends and, you know, being kind of scared and, and how to kind of transition and assimilate a little bit. Mm. Wow. 
Yeah. Shoot, you get that on Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast and you're set. <laughs> yeah, we. I, I met him uh, at his book signing, actually, in, cool. uh, in New Jersey. I mean, he's a nice guy. He has a lot of uh, marketing tips. I mean, if you are kind of a seasoned marketer, some of the stuff he's talking about are, are like common sense, but there will be, if you listen, like a gem here or there that you should really take advantage of. And I think a lot of people listen to him for the motivational aspect of it, but you know, he started, well, he still is running a, a large uh, media agency. So, yeah. So are you already in like conversations with other people who maybe are first, Im- first generation immigrants or maybe their parents were first generation immigrants? Um, do you have people like that in your life already? I do. I've, I've actually had a lot of guests that have been uh, first generation immigrants from, you know, different parts of the world and not only immigrating to the U.S., but it's interesting uh, learning about people immigrating to, let's say, like Canada or Australia, other kind of English speaking countries and what those experiences were there as well. The interesting thing about children's books is really you're kind of marketing to the parents, right? Because the parents are the ones who are kind of looking at all the different children's book options and picking them. I mean, to a cer- at a certain age, they start to ask for it. Like my eight-year-old is now asking for dog man books and my 10 year old is now asking for you know whatever she has read harry potter eight times so, you know so they start to get their own preferences but like for a huge chunk of your early childhood uh, your your child's early childhood your parent are picking out your kids books right and so like what if you could almost package them together so that you're telling like your story and like an adult like an adult to adult traditional narrative, you know, 150 page book, like your story of being an immigrant and how you've grown your business and your, um, your work with clients and stories from people who've come on podcasts. And it's like a box set or like paired with or an upsell to the children's book. So you can have this conversation and this like meaningful relationship with your child about what it's like to, you know, to immigrate to a new country and their friends who might've immigrated to a new country. Like, those two pairings together could be really powerful for you, Roman, because you could tell your story. You could tell stories of people who come on your podcast. They would help you promote. And you could pair or upsell um, a, a cool conversation you could create in people's households. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And like speaking of kind of that self, I guess, self-publishing or creating, what if somebody is self-publishing, how, do, uh, how does one kind of... Um, protect that intellectual property. I mean, obviously I'm not an expert in the area, but when an author writes a book, are there like patents or things that are filed to protect that idea or theme that somebody can just take it and run with it? (laughs) Um, Authors don't usually have to worry about that (laughs) because it's one thing to write a book. It's another thing to sell a book. It is really hard to sell books. <laughs> so even if someone did sell steal your idea, the odds that they could create a successful book campaign out of it are pretty slim. Um, in the U.S., you, copyright is granted automatically to authors. So if you have, we we put copyright pages in all of our books, and you know, all of our authors are. Um, self-published in the truest sense of the word in that the ISBNs are in their names, the accounts are in their names. Um, and so like our company, Paper Raven Books, doesn't own any rights of any of our author's work. And so what we do is just set up and make sure that the intellectual property chain is really clear. So ISBNs in their name, 
or their company's name, um, the accounts on Amazon and, and Ingram Spark or like where we get books printed um, are in their name. And then there's a copyright page that says, you know, copyright to either their name or their business name. And that's, that's really all you need because if you were to go to a court of law, like that would be plenty <laughs> of information to say, okay, yes, this was, this was their book. Um, sometimes people get antsy about like, well, what if I'm sharing it ahead of time? You know, kind of like you were talking about earlier, like what if I'm going into communities or on podcasts and I'm sharing all these ideas ahead of time? What then? Um, I honestly, I don't worry about it too much because the amount of <laughs> commitment that it's going to take to get from idea to written book, to published book, to book that's actually selling, like it takes a lot of commitment. And so the, I mean, if someone like steals that idea, they would probably write the book differently than you would write it. And they would probably create a different cover. They'd probably create a different title. They'd probably create a different <laughs> description. They'd probably sell it differently. So um, in the book, we'll see about people stealing ideas. And I don't know if that's what you wanted to hear or not, but <laughs> I'd love to hear your reaction. <laughs> no, it makes sense. I just wanted to know if it was like a formal process or just, you know, simply by the act of uh, writing and you being the, you know, the original author of that, that book that creates that precedent. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing is setting up that precedent. It doesn't typically officially happen until it's published somewhere. So you could argue if you're publishing on a blog or maybe if you're being interviewed on a podcast, you could argue in a court of law that that's, those were your ideas that when you publish them on the blog or you spoke them on the podcast that those were, those were yours. Um, but yeah, once it's published in an actual book that's for sale, um, in a bookstore, Amazon counts as a bookstore, then um, it's it's in the U.S. anyway. It's kind of built into the Constitution for um, intellectual property that that counts as protected copyrighted information under the author's, um, yeah, creative vision. Okay. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So what motivates you to succeed? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure. Um Honestly, so much of my freelancer or business building career, like, you know, yes, I am helping to provide for my family, but I do end up reinvesting a lot of what our revenue is back into building a team and, um, and my own education and our sort of like infrastructure our systems and processes as a company. And so sometimes I look at like <laughs> how I choose to to spend my money. And I'm like, well, clearly I'm not completely money driven because my husband and I manage the household together. Like we both contribute to our, what our family needs. Um, but otherwise <laughs> like I pour a lot of it back into the business. And so I've, I, I think it's just that I really believe that, um, our, the way that we help people publish books is going to change the publishing industry, <laughs> which sounds a little bit crazy when I say it out loud, but I think I have a vision for, how the publishing industry is already beginning to shift and how authors can take advantage of it. And I really want to build like an actual big company, <laughs> like a seven, eight, nine figure company that publishes books in a whole new way. Like I want us to reinvent the industry. So sounds a little grandiose, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, now is a good time to do it. I mean, there's a lot of fear in the market in terms of different industries, but if you look back to the, 2008 recession where I kind of got into uh, digital marketing out of necessity out of that uh, climate there was about you know maybe even more but 10 recognizable companies that are now kind of unicorn companies 
that have surpassed that valuation of a billion plus. So there will be companies now that are like that. And I think those are going to be the ones that, you know, reinvent and innovate and kind of grow and pivot and do what they need to do to one, survive through this ordeal and two, basically redefine their industries. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited about a potential recession. <laughs> that sounds crazy. I, I, I think we're all nervous about it. Like the uncertainty just naturally makes us nervous. Um, but I think uncertainty also opens up a lot of opportunities. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see. Yeah, I agree. So what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Um, I think a weakness I've had is... Um, is sales. If I'm, if I'm going to drill it down into like the concrete practical, like, um, manifestation of, of the weakness is like not asking for a, a sale, (laughs) not asking for someone to, to put down money with me ahead of time to secure my services when I was a freelancer or not asking someone to commit to, you know, a project with me or now, like I, right before you and I had, um, got on to, for our pre, you know, pre-call, uh, time together. Um, I was on a sales call with like an internal sales call and we're sort of rejigging our process. And I just realized that I've, for much of my career, I've had a hesitation to ask someone to commit and to put down money with me and my company. And um, now, like, we are so much stronger at sales. And to be honest, it's because I have become stronger at sales. Um, I'm able to get on the phone with someone and say, and like really feel out whether this is something they really want to commit to. And I'm able now to say, look, it, it, for me, for, you know, this feels like a yes. Does this feel like a yes to you? And really hold that line and allow for them to commit both internally and, and monetarily and, and, and externally. So that's, um, that's been a huge, like getting stronger at sales, turning that weakness around in sales has been an absolute pivot point for, for the success in our business for sure. Yeah, and obviously in terms of a business, that, that's a core you know, growth aspect and you have to kind of perfect it and get it to a point or you're not going to scale or not scale as you know, high or fast as you would want. And also, you know, surrounding yourself with experts within that thing that may be your weakness to kind of give you pointers and you know, help you grow in that sense as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's like people talk about how you just need to lean into your strengths. And I think that's true, but I think you can also, um, you know, realize that there's an area of your business that you want to improve in and you can lean into the strengths that will help you improve in that area. So rather than saying, I'm just not good at sales, what I was able to do is find mentors who do sales in the way that I want to do sales and lean into that strength to get better at sales. So um, yeah, if anyone's listening and they're like, well, I just really don't like sales. I didn't either, but I was able to find my own pattern and own strength and own, own, um, yeah, my personal advantages to help me get better at sales. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's one piece of advice that you would leave with the audience, personal or professional? Just to have patience. I mean, we mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk earlier, which is funny, but that's one of his messages too. a lot of the mentors that I follow closely, um, you know, the, the folks who have been around in the digital marketing age for a while, the Ryan Levesque, the Jeff Walkers, like, you know, the Ryan Dices, like these guys, um, they, to see them over the length of their career, the people that I admire most have been in it for the long run. They've been patient. 
And when I look back over my journey, it was wasn't going quite like I wanted to. Um, and, and what helps have the patience is when you have a vision for what you're building, what it's going to look like in a year or three or five. Um, and holding on to that vision, I think, helps helps to just cultivate that patience. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, and I think uh, patience is important for the simple fact also that um, people often quit too soon. So just because something isn't going the way they want it or they haven't reached that level of success or they have hurdles, they kind of just give up or fold. I mean, some some instances you need to kind of not necessarily continue on the same path, but pivot away from it and adjust to what you're being given in terms of kind of your environment and the cards you've been dealt. But uh, I think without having patience or a certain level of patience, you can't get anywhere in terms of, you know, growing a business as an entrepreneur or even, you know, being successful in other things like relationships, friendships in your personal life as well. A hundred percent agree. Super well said, Roman. Love it. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this was super fun. Thanks for having me on. And I am my personal um, handle on Instagram and Facebook is Morgan G Mac. Uh, and then our company name is Paper Raven Books. So you can find us on Facebook or Instagram and uh, paperravenbooks.com. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.